Chris, we hit a momentous day in my household today. Literally a momentous today. day. Today is a momentous day. Well, how yes. how is that? Why is that? We have been in the midst of a home renovation for the past five months. And it, wow. con- and it concluded today. Wow. Hey, well, Christian, I raise this drink on this fine evening to you, my friend. That is a truly momentous moment. You must be on cloud nine. First off, I had no idea you were doing any renovation. So second, what were you renovating? So the back portion of our upstairs was a kind of guest room, multi-purpose room. Okay. Um, I've stayed in there. I've stayed in there. Yeah, the the guest room that you've stayed in. Yeah. Okay. So we basically took that back two rooms of the house and turned it into our master suite. Oh, sweet. It is a now bedroom, bathroom, closet, all back there um, to kind of make the remaining rooms of the upstairs a little bit more functional. So that was already always kind of a dream of ours when we bought the house. So those rooms had stayed relatively unfinished until this time. Um, but they started in March. Uh, well, first off, we could not find a contractor through the entire pandemic, naturally, mm. because obviously things were very uh, hard to come by. Materials were very expensive. Um, and so we finally found somebody, um, actually a friend of a friend and they started in March and, uh, yeah, they, uh, turned the proverbial keys back over to us today. So, which was fantastic. So, um, on some unexpected, um, uh, hiccups in the middle, um, which I feel like is like every HGTV show, you know, there's always that like, (gasps) What are they going to do in the middle? You know, one of those like uh, kind of things. But ours was actually, so our, actually our entire contractor's family got COVID. Um, oh now, my goodness. They are all wow. okay. They are all okay. But obviously they had to take several weeks off to make sure they, you know, went sure. through their proper uh, protocols and, you know, that type of thing. So You didn't want them um, in your house huffing and puffing? I'm surprised. Yes, yeah, sweating and breathing heavily and, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, obviously, that makes sense. They played things very cautiously, actually probably more cautiously than even I would have. Um, so we very much appreciated that. Um, and so there was about a month in the middle where there was nothing happening, rightfully so. Um, and then there were some uh, drywalling things that we had to wait for because they brought in specific drywallers because we have vaulted ceilings. So they had to bring those people in, but they had to wait for them, this and that. So, I mean, nothing that was like terrible, but just extended it by probably six weeks longer than it needed to be. Not that we were in any rush to have it done because obviously nobody's coming to visit these days. But um, yeah, so we finally got the keys back today. It is all finished. It looks fantastic. Uh, we are super excited. We still have yet to move the furniture into the room, so it's still just an empty room right now. Uh, but they, uh, yeah. But so sometimes that was exciting. that's the best part because then that's when the possibilities are endless. You know? And it's the cleanest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I think in the house that I that I grew up in, I'm pretty sure my parents did the same thing when I was maybe three or four years old. They took two two bedrooms, like two of the spare bedrooms, knocked them down and made a huge master bedroom. And I feel like that's just so clutch because you're really making, you know, the master bedroom is in so many ways the home within your home. You know, right. it's like your apartment within your building, if that makes sense. And it's so also nice ha- to have the ensuite 
bathroom as well. Oh, um, yeah. It makes which, such a difference. Um, I'm sure all parents out there can appreciate not having to, like, open a bedroom door to, like, go out into the hallway to then close another door to go to the bathroom when you have a kid sleeping in the room next to you <laughs> um, is clutch. Yeah. Um, and especially uh, my house is very old. She's an old gal. She's almost 200. And so, like, everything creaks. You know, like the wood floors, <laughs> the doors, the hinges, everything creaks, right? Right. You know, we've got the radiator heating, so it's all, you know, you hear the little clangs and tinks of the radiators and all that. So, yeah, to, to not have to do that, um, I'm very, very excited. I don't know. I remember, actually, the really funny part about it is when he finished, when he kind of, like, was leaving for the day, he's like, don't worry, I left the toilet for you guys to christen. <laughs> I was like, such a great way to end it that I was like, thank you. I'm going to poop there right now. Like, <laughs> I have yet to, but when I do, I'll let you know. It's one of the beautiful things about humanity is that we all can appreciate when someone leaves an area dump free. That's, uh, you know, we all we all can get behind that. Well, that's great, Christian. I'm so happy for you. I uh, I hope that you christened the hell out of that bathroom and I can't wait to see it. Hopefully when this pandemic is over. I had a pretty good week myself, uh, definitely not nearly that exciting and uh, no nothing momentous. Um, this uh, We had a long weekend up here in Canada. In, in yes. uh, Canada, we have a random long weekend in the middle of August called Civic Day. Um, I think it's sort of subdivided into multiple different names across the country. I think it's something like Simcoe Day here in Ontario. Um, but it's uh, it's a well uh, a well needed time to get a little bit of summer sunshine. So we were up at the cottage this weekend. Um, unfortunately, rained like cats and dogs all Sunday. But what that allowed us to do uh, was basically just sit on the couch and watch like twenty four hours of Olympic stream. Mm. Yeah. So following up on our episode from last I'm not week, mad about that. <laughs> definitely checked out some canoeing. Got all kinds of volleyball in there fencing, women's wrestling. I mean, like sports, I didn't even understand really what was going on. Um, one of the cooler moments of the Olympics happened that day, which was the, um, the two high jumpers from Italy and Qatar who were tied yeah. um, after their jump off and decided to share the gold medal um, and just embraced each other in this deep hug uh, before they kind of both broke down in tears. It was such a, such a wonderful moment. Um, yeah, that but, was really awesome to see. Yeah, something and something I think, um, you know, such a unique situation. I really, truly think something that you would only see at a big cooperative event like that where, you know, the players, uh, or I should say competitors, not players, are um, really just a small piece of something bigger and and find that moment of humanity within that big machine. Uh, I feel like really there's cool. a lot of... I mean, there's obviously a ton of camaraderie. I, recently, I've been watching a lot of, I feel like the track and fields kind of taking like center stage right now. Mm, and yeah, yeah. I feel like it's one of those that just like when they all kind of cross the line, like they do their kind of initial kind of celebration, but they're then their initial reaction is to just go and congratulate one another. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because like they are racing obviously against one another, but it's not like a versus sport like i'm thinking like a like a volleyball or even like a fencing yeah. like it's not like a 1v1 or team v team kind of sport it's just you're all trying to do your very best yeah you're uh, challenging yourself absolutely right and so like a lot of those ones that they come across the line like when they you know do their little you know photo finish or whatever it has to be um they're they're very um congratulatory of one another which i think is really one of the cool things about uh 
like about the Olympic Games specifically, yeah, as they're all like they're all super happy for each other as well. Mm-hmm. It's so great. Uh, I forget exactly what race it was, um, but we saw a race where uh, the person who finished in fourth was pretty close to a medal. Um, but you know, it shows up, uh, in the standings at, at the end of the race, PB for personal best. And you just see it on her face. She's ecstatic. You know, she missed out on a medal, but to her, it was a personal best. It was a self challenge and, uh, and she, um, accomplished something that she had never done before. And you just see the joy and you think, well, you can't do anything, can't do any better than that. Setting your personal best in the final, even when you don't win a medal. Um, but speaking of medals, Today was a hell of a day for our home and native land, Christian. What uh, yeah. what happened today? Yes, Andre de Grasse, Canadian sprinter, won the gold medal in the 200 meters, which was super, super cool um, to see because um, not that he was an underdog coming in, because I think throughout his runs, people were like, yeah, watch out for this guy, especially with his bronze in the 100 meters. Um, but it was one of those lead-ups. I don't know. Lyles was the reigning world champion uh, from the United States. So everyone was kind of just thinking like, oh, this is kind of his race to lose kind of scenario. And uh, to see him kind of pull away at the end and and win very well, um, that was really, really cool to see. Um, because, I mean, we haven't really had a Canadian threat in the sprinting really portions of track and field really since Donovan Bailey, right? At least in yeah, the men's. Yeah. I mean, this 200 meters, Christian, Usain Bolt, Usain Bolt has won the last three Olympic gold medals. I mean, nobody has won this since 2008. Nobody has won this since basically we were in high school other than Usain Bolt. So to see it be a Canadian, not from the American powerhouse, not from Jama- the Jamaican powerhouse, not from literally any other of the incredible track and field countries in the world, but little old Canada, um, which in the track and field stage, you just get accustomed to us not, you know, it not being a place that we succeed. Um, and then seeing DeGrasse be so successful, it's just really a wonderful thing. The only thing is that because of the other famous Canadian thing, DeGrasse, the next generation, I, I almost can't not say Andre Degrassi. Like I oh, I'm want sure to that say joke it. has been made so many times. Yeah, absolutely. I have to stop myself. Yeah, the poor guy. Um, yeah, everyone's like, "Wait, is that just Drake?" <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's still on reruns here, and I occasionally put it on. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, in terms of a guilty pleasure, it's actually a pretty decent soap opera kind of show. It definitely reminds me of. Uh, our childhood in a way it's definitely very nostalgic with what they're wearing and the music that's on the show and everything it's very much like our time Um, but speaking of medals there's another one um, on the horizon for Canada and uh, something that's very close to my heart which is that Canada has finally exercised their demons in women's soccer um, having won the bronze medal but failed at the semi-final level in both of the past Olympics have this time not only qualified for the gold medal game, but did so beating the Americans on the way there. And uh, as as someone from work said to me today, um, that's really all that matters. We could have finished in in third again, but if we did it by beating the Americans, we would have taken it. Um, How how has the reaction been south of the border to this American loss? It's funny how the narrative can switch so quickly. Um, I mean, obviously everyone down here is very was very surprised. You know, every article is like, oh, U.S. stunned by Canada. And I'm sitting here going like, like, I get it. But I was like, Canada's pretty good. 
Yeah, like, they I mean, were it's like easily the better team in this. Tournament. Like, well, but it's like, and they're no slouch, like in a world ranking either, yeah, right? So absolutely. it's it's like, I mean, sure, would I consider it an upset? You know, would it, you know, betting odds in Vegas is probably on the United States, but uh, but anyway, it's also it's funny just the way, and also I'm saying this from a media standpoint, not from the like you know uh, cooler talk at work standpoint, but how much it just flips away to be like, oh, this team was just too old. They should have brought their right. Like it's all of a sudden just like, yeah, we knew this was going to happen. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, we knew you know, all along. Lloyd, Lloyd and Rapino and them are just, you know, they're, they, they, they stayed one Olympics too long or like something <laughs> like this. And I'm like, get out. Like they're still by far and away the best soccer team in the world. Probably. Um, I mean, you could argue, I mean, sure. I'm sure Megan Rapino 10 years ago is, a better soccer player than she is now just from a endurance and stamina standpoint. But I mean, like they've been pretty much cleaning up through most of the international competitions that have happened up until this point. So again, everyone's going from this, like, you know, dominant powerhouse, like here they go to like, yeah, we knew they were too old. We figured this was going to happen. And I'm like, shut yeah. up. You had yeah, no yeah. idea this was going to happen. Tip your cap. Like, you know, just, just move on dear sports like pundit like you don't know nearly as much as you think you do stop trying to <laughs> yeah. just like analyze it all they lost yeah and like they're gutted that they lost as they should be um and i'm sure they didn't play as well as they wanted to and they heck they almost tied it with that crossbar near the end yeah uh, oh and so uh, and they lost their goalie partway through like to an yep. injury and like so i mean like um yeah, it's a bad ending for them, or I shouldn't say an undesirable ending uh, to that semifinal match. But it's just like all of a sudden they turn it around to be like, yeah, you know what? You know, Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapino. it's like, ugh, they should have stayed on it's too long or whatever. And you're like, come on. I mean, quite frankly, it's just a self-centered narrative. And it's something that we see with the Toronto Maple Leafs, with the New York Yankees, with any team that's kind of um, dominates from a fan standpoint, you know, or is the center of the so-and-so universe, center of the women's soccer universe, center of the hockey universe, whatever. No other team can be good. It was never that you were beaten by a good team. You know, you were never bested by a noble and worthy opponent. You were always, you always lost. You know, it was always why you were bad and why you were crap um, and, and never why the other team was good. So honestly, I mean, the reason why um, the United States was dominant for five straight Olympics and then hasn't been for the last two or three um, is just honestly that other teams are getting better. You know, women's soccer wasn't um, particularly uh, popular, wasn't getting a lot of investment for a long time. It still isn't another topic for another day. But when it did start to grow, when the Women's World Cup started to grow and everything, that was right in the wake of the 1994 World Cup in the USA, right in the wake of establishing MLS. Um, and of course, the United States has one of the highest standards of living for women relative to other countries and for women's sports with the NCAA college system. So they had all of the perfect pieces and they dominated for a long time. And now everyone else is catching up. And that's OK. It's a good thing for the sport that they have competition but Americans still see it as we're dropping the ball. And that's just not true. They're still a very good program. I think a, a, a very equal comparison can be made to women's hockey as well. Mm, um, mm. That I feel like for the longest time, it was always just the Olympics, the world champions were just basically like, yeah, okay, I'll tune in when Canada, USA plays in the gold medal game. Yeah, right? inevitably. Inevitably. And so, but now because of their dominance, both Canada and the U.S. and women's hockey, but I'm going to speak specifically to U.S. women's soccer. 
Like, I feel like they deserve a lot of credit for how much they've expanded the women's game. Um, and so I think a lot of the equality that you're seeing from a parody standpoint throughout these countries, I mean, they do deserve credit for, um, at least partially, right? Just in the exposure and all of that type of stuff, like you just mentioned. Um, and this is what happens, right? Is you grow the game, you grow the parody, but then now people start to beat you. Um, and I mean, we're, we saw it in... Uh, the U.S. men's basketball, you know, when they were doing their tune-ups, they lost to Nigeria and mm. Australia in a row. And it's all these, you know, it's not just the dream team anymore. It's, um, I mean, the U.S. is still very good and they're probably going to win gold medal unless they get outplayed somehow. But, um, you know, I mean, all these other countries have these really good players now um, as a result. So I think it's great that, they, that they've managed to do that. Um, like you said, it's just like when the parody's there, just accept it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, Christian, I think uh, I think our kids are finally are finally done using the bathroom. I've got the car all filled up. I've got a McDouble here in my uh, cup holder, and I think I'm ready to get this car uh, on the on ramp and back onto the highway for this road trip of fun. What do you think, Christian? You want to get it started? Let's load it up. raised me as an only child it made my brother pretty mad i'm christian that's chris and you're listening to the dad joke loading podcast we would be remiss if we didn't begin our episode with a few thank yous producer ryan always a pleasure thank you so much for making us sound as good as you possibly can we know we make it difficult for you vishal murthy vet cartoonist uh responsible for image and branding and logos and all that good stuff Michael Spicer for that lovely intro song and all of the uh, little uh, pieces and snippets of sound effects that you hear. Michael Spicer music, Michael Spicer composer on Instagram. Uh, our wives and daughters who, of course, allow us to do this because let's be real, they allow us to do this. And you guys at home, the listeners, for keeping us on and keeping us honest every single week. Um, so, Chris, I just came, I know I mentioned a momentous day in uh, in the household from a uh, renovation standpoint, but while they were renovating, I uh, went on vacation. Yeah, you dipped out. You, I you dipped were just out. Like, see ya, world. I'm vaxxed and waxed and ready to party. Absolutely. And I, uh, we went to Disney World. And I know we spoke last week a little bit about kind of traveling in general with a toddler. Um, but, uh, I thought this would be a fun time because I know you're actually planning on going to Disney world later this year, correct? That is right. I am following in your footsteps, Christian. So, um, you know, here in Canada, I guess fairly, obviously very similar to the United States. We have had, um, really significant limitations on international travel. Um, I've been working throughout this entire pandemic, essentially, um, changing jobs, but still working. Uh, my wife, of course, has been on maternity leave for quite a long time, as we've talked about in a previous episode. So we really have not had the opportunity to, opportunity to travel. I mean, we've barely had the opportunity to leave our house, quite honestly, let alone get in an airplane. Um, so other than traveling within Ontario, Ottawa, Niagara, Prince Edward County, we've essentially not left the province. And so come October, we are loading up the fam jam into the aircraft, uh, taking the little one on her first airplane ride. And we are following in your footsteps by going to Disney World 
um, and visiting the in-laws down in Orlando for a little bit of time, <clears throat> spending a little time at the beach and braving Disney World. Um, I've been to Disney World twice in my life, uh, both times as a kid, once when I was about eight years old, the other time when I was 12, both with my parents, and they were some of the best memories of my entire life. Uh, you know, I remember almost every single day, I, I feel. Obviously, you know, I'm sure there are pieces that I'm missing out, but it's such positive memories, things that became discussion points in our family, you know, with my parents and me, memories amongst us for a long time. And I'm, uh, you know, even though my daughter's still pretty young to be able to, to recall those for a long time, we're very, very excited to kind of start that pathway of getting her used to being there, um, hopefully taking her back there for many years to come. And quite honestly, for me and my wife, who are pretty big Disney fans ourselves, um, honestly, as you've said before, this is really just just as much an opportunity for us to go um, and relive some of those things. So yes, uh, to answer your question, we are going to Disney World in October, and I want to know everything there is to know about taking a toddler to Disney World um, and uh, what is so great about it. So let's start off, Christian, with like an easy question. What is your best memory from this current trip that you just did? What was the, num the number one thing that stands out to you um, your whole time in Disney World? I'm going to answer that in two forms uh one of which because one of them wasn't really disney related but on this trip mm, um intriguing. uh on this trip i i don't know why but my daughter got really attached to the idea of holding our hands oh so she, no way so she loved to walk and hold our hands um, and wow. so she would kind of just say like, oh, daddy, I hold your hand. And so we would like walk down the little boulevard holding hands and we have lots of pictures <laughs> oh, of that and that type man. of thing. Um, so, I mean, she did a little bit before, but this was also our first trip where she was really walking on her own. Um, right. So um, we're very lucky. This is actually our daughter's third trip to Disney. Um, she went as a five month old, an eight month old, and then as a two year old. Um, so... Um, so, but this was her first time where she was actually able to walk around a lot. Um, now we obviously had the stroller cause I mean, a two year old's not going to walk around all day, of course. But, um, so we had this, but she was able to be much, she was much more mobile and interactive this time, which was much, much different than the previous times. Um, yeah. And that's but, so cool, but also scary. I have to think at the same time. It is, it is. Yeah. It's neat. It's that balance between, um, having them to be a lot more interactive with their surroundings, which is really cool. Cause then you really see kind of the joy and the wonder and them kind of taking it all in. But then it's also the like, Oh crap. Now she can run away. Uh, yeah. from, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. from us, but uh, not that we ever were in a position that that was going to happen, but there was always, that's always kind of in your mind that if she's not attached to one of you, you're always kind of like, you know, just to make sure that she's, uh, that she, that she's near you. So that was one of, uh, the, the, the really cool things. Um, but the other really cool thing, um, and my other, um, favorite moment was she fell in love on this trip with finding Nemo. Really? Huh, and, no way. um, cool. and she, so we went on that ride multiple, multiple times. She loved to do it. She wanted to do it over and over. It's a very slow ride. So it's like you're on a clamshell and you're kind of sailing through the underwater, um, and you could basically go through the story of finding Nemo, um, and in the ride, uh, but then you exit the ride and get off the platform and you're in an aquarium. 
Um, wow. And so like they have obviously not a simulated aquarium, like a like, real like, aquarium. like a real aquarium. Exactly. Wow. And they have, you know, all the I mean, it's a it's obviously um, uh, a, like a real live aquarium. But I mean, they have all the characters from the movie in it but i don't think that's on purpose i think they just happen to have you know a turtle and a stingray and that type of thing um and they actually have two rescue manatees oh wow that's really um, cool that especially in, for florida that yeah. are in uh, yeah they had uh, tail injuries because they got hit by human boats um right. which is sad but they so they have both have like mangled tails um but they just like have their own little exhibit they're named I think it's Big John and Little Joe. I think I had that right. Um, and they – so they have an exhibit and uh, there – and it's actually a two-story exhibit because, I mean, they're manatees. They're huge. So you can see them from two different levels. And anyway, but that was honestly my daughter's, like, favorite thing. We walked around that aquarium, and it was air-conditioned, thank goodness, because it was, like – 34 degrees humidity mm. was like yeah. 39 sorry in american it was like 93 felt like 99 and so the ac was obviously cranking in the aquarium so that was helpful <laughs> but uh but yeah. that was the like favorite part and she like learned she still to this i mean i say to this day we've been home like two weeks has been like repeating all of the animals that she learned and so she'll wow. talk about like the manatee and she knows they eat lettuce and she talks about the octopus and the stingray and the turtle and uh and so anyway so and she had never really known finding nemo not on purpose just she hadn't really known it well um but she fell in love with it on this trip so now we she has like nemo toys and like a nemo play mat that she uses and like things like that so that was That's really really, really cool. neat and it's great to think too. I mean, when we when we were growing up in the '90s, our you know the big ones for us at that time would have been Lion King, Aladdin, Pocahontas, maybe Hercules, and that's what we grew up with. You know, that's what our Happy Meal toys were. That's like what we watched. You know, when we went to Disney World, um, those would have been the things that we have would have seen. Um, and so for our kids to grow up with Pixar, you know, as the thing that they're growing up with is such an incredible thing because those really are wonderful movies um, and, and something Disney's reinvented itself with. So you brought up the, the concept of something that neither you nor I as pasty Canadians appreciate very much. And that is the dank, uh, swampy humidity of central Florida. So, um, you know, it's nice to escape the cold of, of Canada during October and the winter months. But the flip side is, um, you know, you get a sweat on, you get a, you get a drip on your brow. And, uh, you know, something that uh, pasty Canadians and babies are united in their dislike of is humidity. So um, what's, uh, what is the fussiness level of a toddler in the sweltering Florida humidity? And how do you deal with that in Disney World? Are there any sort of uh, cool down areas? Are there ways to stay cool? How do you monitor her heat? Like is heat stroke something that you uh, worry about at all? Um, what's, uh, yeah, how do you deal with that stank, Christian? Well, I personally, um, as we mentioned on the previous episode, just went full singlet uh, to make sure <laughs> right. that the, uh, you know, the pits were constantly aerated. But, um, uh, but a, a couple of things that worked really well for us um, were in each park, uh, so the four parks that, um, that are there, they actually have a baby care center, mm, um, in each of them. And so there's, uh, and they're fairly, 
large buildings. Um, now, I mean, as with Disney, you don't really notice them unless you're looking for them because, of course, they build it into the backdrop of everything, of course. Um, but they are very well air-conditioned um, areas that you can either, you know, change diapers. There's, like, little kitchenettes that you can, like, warm up bottles if you need to. There's private rooms for nursing for mothers that need to do that private kind of thing. rooms? Yeah. Wow. I mean, they're, they're small. They're basically closets. They're not, sure, like, sure, but, but I mean, you know, there's, like, a, a rocking chair and, like, a little change wow. table and all that type of stuff. So, like, they know how to do it. Um, yeah, that's because, better than most, like, workplaces. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I guess Disney is, like, like families are really how Disney probably makes most of their money. So I sure, feel like it yeah, makes fair. sense for yeah. them to have that. So, um, so those were definitely very good references and resources for us. Um, but we actually kind of lucked out because our daughter takes kind of one big nap in the middle of the day and it's typically over the noon hour. So mm, we were always back. It, we were always back in the hotel from like 11 to one kind of and so we actually managed to avoid the like hottest part of the day for the most part so that also really helped because that allowed us to rest and recharge that allowed our daughter to rest and recharge literally um but also get out of the sun so we were never really out for more than like three or four hours at a time with her um so that definitely helped um for sure um and we also really got lucky because uh, because we didn't go anywhere in 2020 as nobody went anywhere uh, we belong to the Disney Vacation Club, so we have the points that we can use and that type of thing. So we basically had two years worth of points that we could use. And so we got an upgraded room, um, which is called the One Bedroom. And basically it has, it's almost like two, you know, with like the hotel rooms that have the conjoining door or the, yeah, like, you know, 100%, like, so yeah. it's basically like that. But nice. like it's all yours. Nice. Um, and so there's an extra bathroom, an extra little bedroom, that type of thing. And so we actually made... This one part, like it was a bathroom and like a walk-in closet that was massive. Um, so we actually put her crib in the walk-in closet and she like immediately claimed it as her room. She like <laughs> stood in there and like claimed it. She's like, this is my room. And then it was actually really handy because then we could shut the door to the bathroom and closet, put her sound machine on, and then the rest of the hotel room was just ours to use. Nice. So that was That's actually – really really key um which really helped because then we didn't have to like tiptoe around or anything like that when she was like sleeping um which was nice but yeah i think getting out of the heat and making sure you plan for that lots of water for sure i think is a big one she was constantly drinking water um as were we but i mean i feel like for her just because she did get like she got pretty sweaty a lot um you know but making sure that she um had lots of water and then chris for everybody involved you know sundresses Right, it's all about sundresses. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you pack your your flowy ones. Yeah, I got a nice little yellow one for me. Um, when I was a kid, I had one of my favorite things that I picked up from our first trip to Disney World back in 1998. Um, was a uh, Animal Kingdom. It was a spritzer bottle, you know, with like the little fan, battery powered foam fan on the front, um, and it had like a safari strap, so you could be super cool and like wear it around your shoulder with your fanny pack attached to the waist. Um, and that was that was like the single best thing. And I just can't wait to get one of those again. Um, it uh, it was amazing. They definitely have a lot of those. But then there was one thing that I saw this year, which was new to me. It was they almost looked like a set of headphones um, that people would wear around their neck. But then there was like a fan on each side that like blew in towards their like neck and their face. 
And then it had like a small portion where you could like hit a button and it misted water as well. <laughs> it was it was weird. It almost looked like we were wearing like Apple headphones or like something. It was a very bizarre looking contraption that I didn't quite understand, but I didn't like have the guts to go up to you them and be like, hey, young whippersnapper, what technology you got there? Um, you know, but uh, so I saw a lot of those, but there's definitely still the like water bottle with the fan that people are like still like, or the, you know, there are definitely a couple of people that were rocking the visors that had the little back battery powered fan yeah, in it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of those. Definitely a couple I mean, of those. Really what you need is um you just want to be treated like a head of lettuce at the grocer. You know, you just want to be misted gently throughout your day. Um when we traveled in Japan and when we went to Tokyo Disney, one thing that is incredibly popular um, in that part of the world is using umbrellas for sun protection. And I think it's something that we should really get behind here. You don't see that that often, but man, does it make a difference when you've got a, got a blazing sun? It's especially, like you said, it, it is literally 15 degrees cooler in the shade for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah you could definitely see it, which was, um, which was handy. It's also really funny because we were there, obviously whenever you go to Florida, it is like always got like a 30% chance of thunder showers just because of the humidity. <laughs> yeah. And it's really funny because uh, we, I mean, my wife and I call it Florida rain, um, which is where it looks like it's sunny as hell out and there's not a cloud in the sky, but it pours rain for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny because it did it a couple of times while we were there. Never rained enough to really get in the way. Um, but we just kept walking because we were just like, this is really cooling. It's amazing. It's basically like going on like the River Rapids ride where you get a little bit wet. You're going to dry out in like a minute when the sun comes back out and everyone's scrambling to get their ponchos on and get underneath. And we're just like, what? You, by the time you get your poncho on, the yeah. rain's going to be over. Bring uh, it on, please. Yeah, it please. was like, bring it on. We did put, you know, we put the little rain shield on our daughter's, uh, you know, stroller. We didn't want that to get wet or whatever, but we were just like, yeah, whatever. We got soaked and it was like refreshing more than anything. So. Well, let me um, let me let me uh, bring us back to to Disney World as a park specifically. I'm you had mentioned a little bit earlier um, that uh, her favorite ride was the Finding Nemo ride, and it had this little clamshell you could ride. So something I've literally never thought of in my entire life before was uh, what kind of rides a little kid can be on. So you know, my wife and I were roller coaster fans. You know, whether that's Wonderland here in Canada or you know wherever it is, we're we're big roller coaster fans. Um, and so of course I know that for those, there's a height required. You know, we all we all get that. We all get that you can't um, go on roller coasters when you're little. But I don't even know, you know, what can a two year old go on versus a three year old versus a four year old? You know, what about dizziness and scariness and sounds and noise? Um, so let's just start out. What what does your daughter like ride wise? Can she go on rides and, and sort of what's her uh, feeling about them? Disney's actually really good about this because I will argue that more than half of the rides are probably fine for small kids. So our daughter actually was able to ride a lot of them. Now, obviously, when we think of uh, amusement parks, there's obviously, like you mentioned, the big rides that have the height requirements and things like that. Um, but specifically in the Magic Kingdom, which is the uh, kind of main theme park that people um, associate with Disney World, I would, you know, there's three or four rides, you know, we think of Space Mountain, uh, you know, Splash Mountain, those type of rides, which are for uh, bigger kids and adults, but the majority of the rides are actually for kids. So we actually did not have any shortage of, of those type of rides. So from my daughter's perspective, she was actually able to ride a lot of them and a couple of her favorites. Um, so I mentioned Nemo. 
but actually one of her favorites was the carousel. So there's the uh, mm. the knight's carousel, um, which is right behind Cinderella's castle, which is exactly what you think it is. Merry go round with horses. She loves that. She actually rode that when she was very, very little at her very first trip, obviously on my wife's lap. Um, so now this time uh, she actually uh, got a horse to herself. We were still right next to her, but that was really neat just to see her um, right next to my wife and I on on her own little horse. Um it's a small world, which is like a classic. Uh, you know, she was able to ride that because um, that's obviously a slow-moving boat. Um, there was, you know, Winnie the Pooh, Peter Pan, uh, those types of rides. They also have the classic, uh, I feel like they're at the fair all the time. You know, the ones that just kind of go round and round in a circle and you can make it go up and down as it just kind of goes around in a circle. Yes, yes, You know yes, what I'm talking absolutely, about? Yeah. So, I mean, in Magic Kingdom, there's uh, Aladdin's Carpet Ride, which is that exact mm, ride. Yeah, there's yeah, the yeah. Dumbo exactly. Ride, which yeah. is that exact ride. Um, so they have uh, versions of that ride everywhere. Um, there's the Jungle Cruise, which obviously we know the movies that's coming out, but that's basically a slow boat tour kind of through the Amazon, so to speak, which she could go on. So there was a lot of rides that she could go on. Her favorite, another favorite of hers at Animal Kingdom was actually the Safari. So she got to go on an uh, open air safari and do that. Um, and then at Epcot, they have the Frozen ride, which is a slow moving ride for the most part. So that was one of her favorites as well. So there's actually quite a few, um, which she were able to do and plenty of, of, of opportunities for her. The kind of interesting thing that we noticed was, I mean, the rides for those lines are are shorter because, you know, everyone's in line for like the big, you know, the big rides, um, you know, the test tracks or the those types of things. But uh, um, yeah, we were able to to get in line and actually get her on a fair number of rides, which is pretty cool. And do you get get the sense that she's excited about them? Like, do you get the sense that when you wake up in the morning and have breakfast that she's like, oh, I can't wait to go on these rides? Or is it sort of something that, you know, as as you walk around, she sees a ride and she's like, oh, that's a thing I would like to do. Do you think she has that sort of excitement and anticipation of getting to go on rides? I think the more that she did it, yes. I like I think originally, I mean, not that she was ever apprehensive. She's a pretty fearless kid. She doesn't really have any uh, you know, um kind of issues that way. But um I think it was more once she got on the ride and really enjoyed it, then it was like, oh, I want to do this again um, or somewhere else. Whereas like, I don't think in the original parts, we were just like, oh, mom and dad are going on this and they're bringing me with them. Okay. And then like, right, she's like, I'm right. not really sure what this is. But then once she kind of got the idea of it, um, I think that she had a, a, I think she had a much bigger kind of understanding of like, oh yes, this is fun. I want to keep doing this, um, which is also kind of hard because then she would be like, oh, like mom, dad, again, 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 and we'd be like, well, we have to get back in line. Like we can't just like, <laughs> well, you know, we can't just do it again. Uh, we have to get back in line, which is not something a two-year-old really understands the quite yet. You know, they're not like, oh, on the app it says it's going to be forty minutes. Wait, like we can't. <laughs> These you know, are we the important exactly. lessons of childhood for us to pass on to our daughters. Lines are bullshit. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, she actually had a, a a really good time and actually enjoyed them a lot more than I thought she did. You kind of mentioned the like scary aspect you know yeah, or like, like is curious. there like a like one one ride that i went on as a kid that i loved was pirates of the caribbean you know but i was maybe like nine ten years old when i went on that for the first time i mean that's you know that's pretty you know it's tame from that perspective but it's dark there's a drop there's water there's fire you know so for kind of rides like that like where's the kind of scariness level that that you think is tolerable at that age 
Yeah, Disney actually does pretty well for the most part. Like most of the rides are are not um, at a scary level. But I mean, there are a couple. Um, I know you mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean. We did not take our daughter on that ride. Um, but actually, my wife and I have a standing pact that we actually will never go on that ride again. Um, and oh my re- God, has it been canceled? What happened? It has not been canceled. Um, but actually, we went on that ride twice recently and got stuck. So <laughs> really, yeah, in the water, in the darkness, <laughs> right? So, um, the, like we got stuck there and like just had to listen to "Yo Ho Yo Ho," a pirate's <laughs> life for me for like forty five minutes. Like I'm not kidding, forty five <laughs> minutes. And one time we had to get um, there was a guy who had to w- walk through in hip waders and pull all the boats out backwards manually because it broke. <laughs> the second time we got stuck right at the beginning. And so the gates had closed. And so there's a security thing that they can't open those gates once they close because the ride's going. So they had to like, I don't know, call into headquarters to get like a safety override or some like stupid thing. And I mean, I get it. They're being, they're being safe and they have to be. So I say ridiculous, but they, they were doing everything proper. But it was during the Mickey's Very Merry Christmas party party and we were stuck there for like 45 minutes and almost missed the parade 45 minutes yeah 45 minutes 45 minutes stuck on a ride oh yeah. my god and and so they were obviously very apologetic and all this type of stuff which again it's not it's not like the like poor kid who's running the ride's fault like you know did, or anything did you like get that free stuff did they give you any free stuff yeah they did um so both times actually we got like extra fast passes so they were basically like oh here's a couple legit, of free legit. pass passes that you can use on most attractions, not like the big ones, because that's not going to happen. I mean, happen, it just but like, offsets the time. Basically, right? I mean, that's it's basically like what it does. Trading off some line time for yeah. that's basically what it is. It's like you know, we we basically preemptively sat in line for forty five minutes. Yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, we don't actually we we make a joke that we will never go on that ride again. So we make that a point of not doing it. So, but um, but going back to what we were saying is there are definitely some rides we avoided because of that. Um, and and it really had to do with you mentioned kind of the darkness. Um, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. we actually did take her on the Haunted Mansion. Um, mm, okay. That is my okay. wife's like favorite ride. Um, and so we did take her on that. And she actually did quite well. Um, and so she did quite well. I thought she was going to do much poorer than she did. I think she was like a little apprehensive of it. But, uh, you know, there were no tears or anything like that. But uh, no, she did well um, for the most part. But yeah, I think that was the big one. Um, that we well, I'm were impressed. About. I'm impressed for a two-year-old to survive the haunted mansion. That's a that's a very good. She sign. did better than her dad. That's for sure. <laughs> so there's this like part right at the end where you're like going through a graveyard and like all of the like what are are they called busts like in the mausoleum like the faces right they're called yeah like yeah, the, a, a bust yeah a yeah, bust yeah. okay sense, a, yeah. a bust to me is always just like what the like is in the hall of fame you know like the NFL it's like they get a bust <laughs> in the hall of fame I don't know if that anyway so they're all like singing right like they're talking heads essentially, right? Um, And there's all these coffins that are like, you know, half open and there's an arm sticking out or whatever. They must have changed something because now these like goblins pop up from behind uh, gravestones and we stopped momentarily and they do it every once in a while because like if someone in like a wheelchair or something is like getting on or off, they have to slow down the ride for them to get off, right? So it happens every once in a while. You don't think anything of it. So I slowed down just in time for this effing goblin to pop out from behind a gravestone and i jumped and like because i wasn't prepared for it and i literally was like Dah! and like 
And like my <laughs> wife looks at me like, "What are you trying to do? Scare our daughter?" And I'm like, "That goblin came out of I'm nowhere. <laughs> like I like that goblin came out of nowhere. What do you mean?" Um, so yeah, it was funny that um, I got more scared on the haunted mansion than my uh, than my two year old. But well, speaking of rides and attractions, I think I have one um, one kind of last main question for this segment, which is one that I've genuinely been wondering because my wife and I are planning our trip right now. So. Um, you correct me if I'm wrong. Help me out here. The the parks that constitute Disney World in Florida, you've got Epcot, you've got Magic Kingdom, you've got Animal Kingdom, you've got Hollywood Studios, and was the new Star Wars park one of those f- four? Or the, is it the, the new Galaxy's Edge is in Hollywood Studios? In Hollywood Studios. So those are the four. Am I right there? So um, they Disney World has basically like three day passes. We're going to get one of these three day passes, and then separately, my wife and I are going to go to the Halloween thing, which we're pretty, mm, pretty nice. jacked up about. Um, but so for those three passes, three days, basically, you can pick three parks, but not four which means one park has to get the chopping block. Um, I've been to all four. Um, my uh, my wife has actually never been to Disney World specifically. so she's Oh, wow. This will be fun. I'll be very, yeah, I'll be very interested to see how yeah. she loves I mean, she, I know she'll love it. I'm just now, I'm super, like, I almost so want to live vicariously up. through her I now. know, yeah. I know. For someone who's such a big Disney fan, she's going to go nuts. I mean, she loved Tokyo Disney, so this is just going to be totally up her alley. So I, like, to me, Magic Kingdom, I feel like, is a classic Animal Kingdom, I mean, we're vets, right? I mean, we love animals. It's like a big part of our life. We're trying to get our daughter into animals. As adults, Hollywood Studios seems like the most bomb. It has the best rides. It has Star Wars. That's so incredible. And then Epcot has so many of those classical things that you think of when you think of Disney World in terms of, you know, the rides and around the world and the food and stuff like that. Um, So if one of those had to get the chopping block, traveling with a toddler... Uh, which which three out of the four would you pick? So definitely, so Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, you have to go for sure. Um, Magic Kingdom, obviously the classicness, there's a lot to do there. There's all of the classic Disney characters, Animal Kingdom, because you mentioned all of the animals um, as well as, I feel like there's a lot more there for a child to do and to look mm. at. Like there's, there's actually like walking trails that are like you can walk basically like through a gorilla exhibit. Oh, cool. um, you know, like, so there's a lot of like walking avenues. So there's a lot more for you guys to do there. So I think it comes down to kind of basically one of two things, which is, so it's got to be all Hollywood studios or Epcot that gets the chop. And I, it comes down to really one of two things. And I think you mentioned them, which is at Hollywood studios, you have toy story, star Wars. Um, and then you also kind of have Indiana Jones and then kind of like tower of terror. Right. So there's not really a whole lot there that a child can do um, in terms of rides. So there are no rides really that you can do at Hollywood Studios with a toddler other than the new Mickey and Minnie's um, runaway train, um, which is the old great movie ride. Mm. If you remember that. Um, this is such a tough decision that you're so, that you're presenting here. So like Toy Story Land is cool, but like the rides aren't really for a one-year-old or a two-year-old mm. um, like Star Wars land. I mean, I was geeking out, but there's literally nothing for my daughter to do there. Yeah. You're a huge Star Wars fan. Huge so like, Star could Wars you fan. have so, not gone? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you... if it was, if it was a, if it was a choice between me not going because we were going to go to another park that my daughter could do more at, I mean, obviously I'd be 
disappointed, but I think that choice makes itself. Um, that's a good dad. That's a good dad answer. I, that, I know that sounds like a real cop-out answer. Like, oh, I'm just being a good dad. I would obviously be devastated um, and I would be grumpy the whole time. I'm not going to sugarcoat <laughs> it. But, um, but then at Epcot, like if my, my gut answer is that you have to go to Epcot because there's the Frozen ride. Mm. Um, you know, there is Spaceship Earth. Like I think there's more there that you can do. And as much as it hurts me to say – for your daughter's perspective, the park she's going to do the least at is Hollywood Studios. Interesting. Okay, and that's so very good to know. I think if I had to pick from a one slash two year old's perspective, again, we went to, so we were there eight days. We went to Hollywood Studios only one of those days and basically only for half the day. And really, so dad could go to Star Wars land. <laughs> like that's I'm, I'm being honest like there were no rides that she could do um really that were there so um yeah as much as it hurts me to say because like hollywood studios from a like grown-ass man who loves star wars like it's probably my favorite um it's the one i would probably say don't go to it even though that hurts me to say um but from doing the most with your daughter yeah i i would that's say go to the other to three that is very good to know. Well, Christian, thank you so much for this advice. I think that we should return to this topic another time, especially with producer Ryan and his awesome uh, Disney-related podcast, Dole Whips and Double Doubles. I think we're going to have to have him on as a special guest uh, before uh, before I leave in October. Well, thank you, my friend. Um, I, think, uh, I think we're going to pause it here and we'll take a break and we'll be right back with the Dad Joke Loading Podcast just in a moment. Hi, I'm sound designer and composer Michael Spicer, and I want to help you with the audio in your podcast. Take your audience wherever you want, with locations like this relaxing meadow. That's nice. Except for that fox over there. Or maybe a bustling city is more your speed. Fox for sale. One fox for sale. Or maybe somewhere a fox wouldn't be, like next to an active volcano. Okay, if you need sounds or music for your project, go to michaelspicermusic.com! Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris, he's Christian, and now we're going to talk to you about something a little bit different. Um, near and dear to our hearts, as we've talked about in previous episodes, is baseball. I, of course, am a diehard Toronto Blue Jays fan, and my friend and fellow dad here, Christian, is a Cleveland in... No, sorry. Cleveland spot... Wait, no, sorry. Cleveland Guardians fan. As yes, they are the now newly named Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland Guardians. And, uh, you know, before we get into this, Christian, it got my mind kind of wandering a little bit. I've, um, like you, been a sports, sports logo, sports branding nerd for my entire life. And, uh, of course, sports, and particularly North American sports, is no stranger to the concept of a rebrand. Now, uh, the Cleveland Guardians rebrand, of course, was spurred on by a, a much different and, and, I would argue, more important uh, reason than a lot of these other uh, horse hockey rebrand, rebrands that we're going to get into here. Um, so it got me thinking about some of my favorites and some of my least favorite favorite rebrands, Christian. 
So I'm going to start out with my favorites. Um, and after we get through the favorites and the least favorites, you're going to tell me what you think of the Cleveland Guardians, since you will now be repping uh, that really weird winged G on your head um, instead of a C, which has literally been the main logo of, of this city for a long time. But, you know, we'll get into that in a second. So my five favorite sports rebrands. Um, one, uh, one. I'm going to start off with one that's very closely related to the Cleveland Indians slash Guardian scandal that's happened recently, and that is a rebrand that's happened in the CFL um, that just happened very, very recently, and that is the Edmonton Eskimos um, have been rebranded to the Edmonton Elks. And I like it for a few different reasons. Um, so one is history. This team used to be called the Elks. So they brought in something from the past. Number two, they're called the Eskies. And this is clearly can be the Elkies or the Elk. Like it, it's very related. It's E and E. And the logo of Edmonton has been an EE. And so this keeps it. They keep the color scheme. So they honor history while also making it roll off the tongue easily. Elk, of course, is a major northern animal. It represents northern Alberta very well. Um, they just nailed it in my mind. So I think that was a, a, an example of how to do this whole thing well, basically. Um, next one is a totally different one because this was like a complete rebranding. It was a rebirth of the franchise. They switched ownership groups. Um, and this is in Major League Soccer. One of the worst, most disastrous franchises was something called Chivas USA. So one of the biggest uh, clubs, I should call it, in Mexico is Chivas Guadalajara, a huge club. I mean, one of the biggest in, the, in this entire hemisphere. And so in Major League Soccer, that club was like, let's buy a franchise, put it in the United States, put it in L.A. and call it Chivas L.A. And it was basically just like a half-assed farm team. And of course, like there's a huge Mexican population in Los Angeles, but only a tiny fraction of them are Chivas Guadalajara fans because the rest of them might be Pumas fans, Tigres fans, you know, UNAM, whoever. Um, and, and so it doesn't matter if it's Chivas. So, Sorry, go ahead, Christian. Go I was going to say, I could, I could, like, until you mentioned that, I completely forgot that Chivas USA ever existed. Like, until you yeah. said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> and like so many bad iterations of bad clubs like that, they were that bad on the field as well. I mean, they were just absolute trash. So they were dissolved. <clears throat> and then the next year, reborn as uh, Los Angeles Football Club or Los Angeles FC or LAFC with this beautiful, um, you know, black and gold uh, color scheme. They went with representing Los Angeles because their biggest rivals, the Galaxy, play out in the suburbs. So they were kind of playing up that they actually play in the city. Um, they repped it well. It's crisp. It's clean. Beautiful transition. And now they're one of the stars of the league. So to me, that was, again, another example of how to do it right. Um, another one that I liked uh, was one that maybe a, a franchise that's lost a little bit of glory in its past few years um, for some, uh, I don't even want to call it off the field. It's an on the field issue. And that is the Houston Astros, or as they were previously known, the Houston Colt 45s. Um, <clears throat> let alone the fact that Colt 45 is a handgun, which is just a very weird and, of course, a bit of a controversial thing. It's also like a really shitty beer as well, like a malt liquor that you get at a, at a convenience store. Um, it's also a really dirty song by Afro Man. Um, it's a shit name. I mean, there's no Baby, way around that's it. that's all we need. <laughs> and so the Houston Astros, um, you know, it rolls off the tongue. It honors kind of that that space legacy, not nearly enough teams uh, use space imagery and branding. And I think it's just 
Uh, it's awesome. Obviously fits with the Houston Rockets also in that city. Um, so big fan, big fan of the Houston Astros. And of course it fit with the Astro Dome and Astro Turf, and they just use the hell out of that name. So great, great branding. Um, this one is a uh, kind of a bit more niche, but I think one that you would know and appreciate Christian. And that is that, uh, the city of St. John's, Newfoundland, wonderful, beautiful, incredible city, um, has had, um, you know, it is pretty, uh, into hockey. They're like the perfect market for hockey, um, except they're separated from the coast. Uh, so they've never had a CHL team because they have to have a professional team because they have to usually have like an NHL team playing, the, uh, paying their travel bills. So, uh, when you and I were growing up, there was the St. John's Maple Leafs owned by the Maple Leafs. And there was the St. John's Ice Caps owned by, uh, Winnipeg. Uh, there was the Fog Devils who played in the CHL for a brief period of time. And it was just a roller coaster of quite honestly bad branding attempts. And now in the ECHL, their own team, uh, not uh, owned by by someone else, they have the Newfoundland Growlers. And so that's so named good. after so good. And it's named after the growling that the ice flows do. Um, but then they have this kind of double imagery that their main logo is a Newfoundland dog. You know, not nearly enough dog breeds, I think, are used in branding. There should be a team called the Boxers, and it's a boxer. There should be a team called the Shepherds, and it's a German Shepherd, you know. And so they use a Newfoundland as the logo, who, of course, can growl like a dog. Um, so big, big fan of that rebrand. A little bit niche, but I thought that was just spot on the money. Do they also, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a, a Newfoundland tradition that you get, uh, is it you get screeched in? Is that, that is, is right, right? Yes. So there's yes, also yes. kind of that, I feel like the growl, growl and screech, screech, they could probably yeah. make that, you know, you want to become one of the locals, so you got to get screeched in. Absolutely. Um, so they could probably, that. they could probably use that as well. Um, well but, said. Uh, and- St. John's is ugh, arguably one of the more gorgeous places uh, totally. in, in, this, oh, in, our, in this nation, for sure. Definitely recommend it to anybody out there. If you want like an inexpensive vacation that's kind of in the wilderness but has a bit of that down-home culture, uh, definitely check out Newfoundland. Quick fun fact, uh, my, my mother's heritage, uh, my mother's maiden name is Roberts, which is from Bay Roberts, Newfoundland. Oh, no way. Just, Bay uh, Roberts, yeah, yeah, just outside, uh, uh, not too far from St. John's, but yeah. Badass. Did not know that. Well, that's going to bring us to my my last favorite uh, rebrand. This one's a little bit, you know, I had to I had to go into the archives for this one, but I figured we're on baseball, so I need a second baseball one here. Um, so back in the day, there were just some ridiculous names of Major League Baseball teams, um, and eventually it was rebranded to one that unfortunately does not exist anymore, but I wish they would bring back. So uh, at one point, there was the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, who then later dropped Bride to become the Brooklyn Grooms who then later became the Brooklyn Super Boss, um, who later became the Chicago Orphans. That's, <laughs> that's a unique name. Later became the Boston Bean Eaters. You know, so they were just on a roll of some shit names. And then they became the Brooklyn Robins and mm. helped to kind of be a part of that new growth of, of teams named after birds, which I think is just a beautiful baseball tradition. There's and no other sport could you have the Orioles, you know, and really make it um, as, as classic as it is. And I've always thought the Brooklyn Robins was just a beautiful brand. They had a great imagery, great colors, and uh, I would love for that to come back someday. So those were my five favorites, which of course contrasts with my five least favorites. I'm going to blow through these because they're bad and I don't like talking about them that much, but we started with the CFL. So I'm going to continue with the CFL here. 
And that is uh, when my hometown brought back CFL for the first time since losing the Rough Riders. They went with the Ottawa Renegades. Yeah, that was terrible. It was a clip art name. It was a clip art logo, a clip art name. It was literally like, you know, when you go on NHL or FIFA and you create a franchise and they have like that stock of like 20 logos that you could pick from. That's exactly what it was. And they they kept the R of Rough Riders. Of course, the logo of the original Rough Riders was a big R. So you think, wow, they go renegades, keep the R. Didn't use an R in the imagery at all. So it was just a huge loss. Eventually, when they brought back uh, brought red blacks. I don't mind it. It's grown on me. It's unique, but you know, save that I like it. It has a little bit of like the homage to the lumber yeah, industry and totally. everything. And so. way better than renegades, like a million times. And they also have renegades. a lumberjack that with, or I guess with a chainsaw that saws yes. a log off every yes. time they, they score. So I mean, like, come on, that's pretty, that's awesome. a winner. Yeah. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I think they've actually sure. rebranded it really well. Cause they've definitely brought back like the lumberjack plaid, like, cause it's literally mm, yes, red and yes, black. So, yes. I mean, I think they've done a good job with that too, but you're right. Renegades was terrible. I agree. Totally agreed. Uh, next one is uh, we went with soccer next. So we're going to go soccer next again. Um, this one wasn't the uh, change in name or anything. It was simply a simple change in logo. And that was when the Turin based or Torino based uh, Serie A team Juventus, you know, one of the biggest team, one of the biggest clubs in all of Europe. I mean, really, you know, a multi multi um, uh, faceted organization they changed their classical historical logo to basically like a modernized J. Um, and one of the things that soccer does well, European football does well, is history and culture. Um, and they basically erased that all by modernizing themselves. Um, and it was universally panned and is still disliked to this day. So Juventus. Um, next three are unfortunately a little bit close to our hearts, Christian. So I've, got two, I've got two baseball ones here. Um, one is when the Montreal Expos moved to Washington to become the Washington Nationals. Expos was this unique name, a really incredible logo that still lives on to this day. This really noticeable eye popping red, blue and white color scheme that flashed that baby blue in it, for, you know, kind of that neon blue. It was a really beautiful uh, branding. And they w moved to Washington and became essentially the most generic team you could possibly have. Like someone just said, let's make a generic baseball team. And it spat out of the of the generator, the Washington Nationals. They might as well just be like, can we just be like the Washington America? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we'll just write America in plain cursive font and have mostly white with a touch of red. Yeah, just awful. Um, now, you and I went to uh, went to National Stadium, and that was an awesome experience. So nothing on the stadium or the fan base, but shit, that was a bad branding change. Um, but I think that pales in comparison to the much worse baseball uh, rebrand was when the California Angels later became the Anaheim Angels. It's all fine so far. Later became the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. You can't put two cities in the name. It just doesn't make sense. You can't do it. You can't be the Montreal Maple Leafs of Toronto. It's not happening. You got to pick one, man. And so you're either the Los Angeles Angels, but you're not in Los Angeles. So don't call yourself that. Or you're the Anaheim Angels. Or if you want to go be larger, you could say we're the California Angels. California Angels is where they should go. You can't just pick a bigger city like several hours away and pretend to be from there. It's just not how that works. Um, it blew my mind when I heard it. It still blows my mind today. It's ridiculous. 
Um, and number one is the same city because Anaheim just can't get it together where they had one of the most interesting and unique brands uh, ever, maybe in the history of, of North American sports with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I mean, love them or hate them. They were a Disney product. They were different. They had that uh, incredible purple and teal color scheme, which was unique. No one else had ever done it. And like the and duck with the like with the Jacques Plante hockey mask yes, on. Yeah. Yes. So unique. Everybody knows them. The uh, Paul Correa, Timu Solani, and then new owners came in after the Disney's and just changed it all and went with the generic ducks, went with a terrible color scheme, uh, went with this really bad kind of font based logo, a generic D that doesn't make uh, that doesn't mean anything to the city of Anaheim. They wrecked it. They wrecked it. And they're only now starting to bring back the retro jerseys. So there you have it. My five favorite and five least favorite sports rebrands in honor, Christian, of the newly named Cleveland Guardians. So Christian, you have just right now one choice to make is that you have to take Cleveland Guardians and you have to put them in that favorite rebrand pile or your least favorite rebrand pile. Where are they more likely to fall to right now? Uh, they are more likely to fall in the least favorite rebrand okay. pile. Okay. And it's not because I am necessarily anti-Guardians as a name, but we'll get into it as we talk here. Um, because I think they had a missed opportunity. So when they were going for the names, you know, it kind of came out. They had, I think, uh, the owners said they had like 1,200 different names that were submitted, this, that, and the other thing. They were pretty much down to a couple which were the Guardians, along with the Avengers, as well as the Spiders. Okay. And my vote was always going to be for the Spiders. Right, which is, remind me, a h historical name as well. Correct. So right? it was one of the original names of, of the franchise. Yes, so it was uh, the original franchise in Cleveland was named the Spiders. Now, this was back in the 1800s, late 1800s. Um, after that, they were then also the Blues. They were also the Broncos. Um, and they were also the Naps before that. But in 1915, right. they changed to the Indians, um, which they have been since then. So um, I personally liked the Spiders because it was an ode to, um, like you said, history. You talked about the Elks and like in the CFL, the ode to history, a lot of those types of things. The Spiders one, which I think was a perfect one. Um, There's also a Negro League co uh, connection with that name as well, which I think is... Um, it is really important to like, you know, the ode to history and everything yeah, I like didn't that. Know that actually. Um, and actually fun fact, um, about the spiders. Do you know who entered the league as a rookie with the Cleveland spiders way back when? Hmm. It's a very, very, I'll give you two clues. Very famous baseball player who has a award named after Ooh, him. Named after him. Uh, Ty Cobb. No, not Ty Cobb. Um, award named after him. Well, I mean, obviously we'd have to go with the biggest award maybe of them all. I don't know if the timing is right on this. Cy Young? Cy Young. Wow. Entered really? the MLB with the Cleveland Spiders. Yeah. Get out of here. Well, I, I quite like the Spiders name. I mean, I think the other thing is that it's unique. I mean, it's such an incredible, like it's a scary animal. You would think it would be used more. You'd think it would be right alongside eagles and lions and hawks. I mean, it's a it's a perfect kind of intimidating mascot. So I'm right there with you. They also had a really easy, like rebrand kind of uh, like retro option too, right? Because you can bring yeah, back the pictures yeah, yeah. from the 1800s and everything like that. So from like a merch standpoint, I mean, I feel like it was a no-brainer. But 
the reason why they went with the Guardians, and I'll admit I had to look this up, um, is that outside of the Cleveland Stadium, um, there is a very famous bridge called the Hope Memorial Bridge. And flanking the Hope Memorial Bridge are four statues. And the four statues are known as the Guardians of Traffic. Hmm. And so what it is kind of meant to um, symbolize is the advancements in transportation over the years, as well as kind of them watching over travelers as they pass through, you know, going to different parts of the country. When it was, there was built in the 1930s, I believe. I think it was, yeah, built in 1932. Um, so as kind of America was expanding further, so it was kind of a traveling point. So it was the called named after the guardians of traffic. And so each of these big pillars had an individual guardian that was holding, uh, that is holding a different vehicle or transportation method in their hands. Um, and so one of them is a stagecoach. One of them is like a covered wagon, like a, a horse drawn wagon. Um, and then it gets into more of the automobiles, trucks and that type of thing as they were made. So they, you know, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say, so that's where uh, the majority of it came from. Um, and so then you talked about the kind of winged G with the baseball logo that I'll get into in a minute and my disdain for it. But the, <laughs> but the wings come from the each of those guardians has a winged helmet that mm, they wear. Okay. So um, a lot okay. of it is homage to that. Um, in, in, in that standpoint. And so that bridge literally sits right outside the stadium and that Hope Memorial Bridge is a very famous one in Ohio, mm -hmm. as well as kind of in that, in that region. So that's kind of where a bunch of it came from. Um, so I guess that it, it makes a little more sense. And so I hate it a little bit less now than I know that, um, but yeah, I still don't I mean like it. I kind of hate it less and hate it more. Like when I heard that explanation for the first time, you know, it was kind of one of those moments where they said guardians and you're like, okay, well, I don't know. I mean, we'll get into its uniqueness or, I mean, it's, you know, they could have done worse. And then you hear this explanation and they're like, well, it's named after some statues in Cleveland. And you think, oh, okay. And then they say, oh, it's the guardians of traffic. Uh, they're on a bridge. And I think probably some Cleveland residents know about them. And then you're like, huh. So it's kind of, you hear the explanations. Oh, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit of a letdown. You know, you think guardians, you know, first thing, of course, you picture these days would be guardians of the galaxy. You think somebody noble, a protector, you know, definitely conveys strength. And then you think, well, you know, he's, he's holding like a train. So I guess it's kind of intimidating, you know? So I wasn't a huge fan of that. I mean, I liked that there is, of course, a historical element to it. You know, they brought in some of that Art Deco branding into the G. Of course, they're Art Deco statues. Um, so, I mean, they, there were some things that they did well. Um, but, um, you know, one of the kind of interesting things, Christian, is that the name Guardians and Indians both have that sort of dn's end to it oh i don't um, think that know. was by accident yeah you think that was intentional i don't think it was intentional but i don't think it hurt yeah i agree i feel like it was one of those things where somebody said it and then they like put the names there beside each other and was like that one looks like that one yeah and it became a very quick uh, so they can keep the point. font and just change basically the front of the name 
prefer to say Guardians instead. Um, you mentioning with the Renegades logo, how you think it just looked like one of those random, like, you know, clip art logos from yeah, like, totally. yeah, I, I feel like that logo is like a clip art that a middle schooler did. Um, yeah. like it's honestly, <laughs> yeah. it's not very impressive. Um, it's fairly generic. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't really like it at all. So I hope that they come up with some different ones, um, going forward, but I don't, yeah, I don't personally like the logo at all. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. I'm obviously, I say all of this, I'm definitely 100% probably going to buy a Guardians jersey at some point because I can no longer have a culturally inappropriate name on my jerseys anymore. Um, but uh, actually, to be honest with you, all of my jerseys, I say all of them, like I have many, but of the Cleveland jerseys I have, three of them actually have, say, Cleveland on the front. They don't say the other name. Yeah. On them. I can only picture one in my head. I can only, I correct me if I'm wrong. I can only picture one jersey. I think that, that you have that. That's my Francisco, my Francisco Lindor jersey. Um, and it's a, it's a Navy one. It's a Navy it? one with yeah, the red yeah. writing. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I do have a hat that has Chief Wahoo on it. Um, but that one stays in the closet now. So that one yeah. just, that one's just a collector's item. It doesn't get worn out. I do have the classic red C on the Navy cap that I wear. It's a piece of history. I mean, uh, you know, that should stay indoors, but nonetheless, it is historical. I, um, I really think that, you know, Cleveland could have, uh, one of the challenges I think that they, um, could have avoided themselves over the past 20, 30 years that this has been an active topic of discussion is just by retiring Chief Wahoo the single moment that you saw, oh, this is a super racist thing. You know, like if you want to debate, you know, the kind of uh, delicate um, back and forth over the name Indians, of course, I'm in favor of changing it, no question. But uh, that's a bit more of a delicate and nuanced discussion than just a very clear, like overt racist caricature as your logo um and calling him chief wahoo i mean man oh man like if they had retired that earlier this could have been a much more mature conversation and they could have like prevented shooting themselves in the foot over this but their sort of all or nothing approach to this of like we either don't give a shit and we're going to do exactly what we've been doing this whole time or we're going to change everything all at once in a single season. You know, there there was something in between there where they could have um, avoided this problem for for a very long time, uh, and they didn't. But I suppose that's a societal issue, isn't it, Christian? Well, let me ask you this, and I know we're going to wrap this segment up in a second here. But why? why so why do you think it took so long? Like, why do you think the Washington football team took so long to change their name when it's clearly incredibly insensitive? And racist yeah. to have a name of the Redskins. Like it's like it's Boy. like I don't think you could sit there and be like, "What do you mean? It's a football team name." Like, no. Like, but yeah. why do you think it took so long? Yeah, Christian, that's a really great question, my friend. I mean, I think, boy, I. I feel like if we know the answer to that question, you almost know the answer to humanity and and sort of all of politics the way it is right now. Um, I mean, I definitely think, and I hope, I hope this is taken in the way that I mean it. It's. Um, you know, society evolves, you know, and it takes time. And, you know, at one point slavery was legal and then it wasn't. And at one point we, you know, um, thought that like war was a normal and good thing. And then we thought, oh, maybe we should all work together as a globe and not do that. I mean, things evolve. Animal rights, you know, both of us are veterinarians. There was a time when we killed whales for sport and now we don't anymore. And there used to be a team called the Hartford Whalers. And now there isn't anymore. You know, the these things change and evolve and grow with time. 
Um, and so I think there's two questions, which is like, well, why now? And that's because, of course, things evolve. And you and I, in our life that we've known each other for like 10 years now, um, over 10 years, I think now, if I'm doing the math, or almost exactly 10 years. We're coming um, up on 10 years this Labor Day. Yeah, okay, okay. So there we go, almost a decade. I mean, I've heard you say, call them the Cleveland Indians for basically like eight of the last 10 years. And so did I, because, you know, that was the team name. And you just kind of, to some extent, I think what all of us do, or, or you know, especially now, is we kind of go along with society and we we gauge what's socially normal based on what everyone else is also saying. And I think when that conversation began to pick up momentum, um, I think that's when, you know, when the momentum starts to carry itself. And as one thing changes, it sets precedence. It's in like a legal setting, right? When as soon as one case is ruled in one direction, then all future cases are ruled in that direction. And I think there was kind of a, a societal discussion about the Redskins, frankly. I think Washington was the team that started it. And then when that domino fell, then it, it sort of became, well, how can Cleveland justify it? How can they sit there and justify it when the NFL has changed? How can the CFL sit there and justify it um, when the NFL has changed? Like everybody had to look over their shoulder and say they've changed. Now, why did it come so late when this was already a discussion? Like when Cleveland fans have already been boycotting the first game for a very long time. A lot of NCAA teams have had this discussion for a long time. You know, I think I think it became, excuse me, that line between, you know, a specific group. Like if you're using if you're the North Dakota fighting Sioux and you're using the name Sioux and that's a specific uh, tribe that ha can launch a specific legal action against them, you know, that that's where some of that those dominoes start to fall. But if you're just using this generic name Indians, like there's not one person who can kind of like hold you to account for that. Um, and I think, unfortunately, one of the one of the challenges that Native Americans in particular face in North America is compared to every other minority group who should have a say in how they're represented, they have a much lower population than a, than a lot of these other groups. And so they their voice isn't carried as loudly. Um, and I think that's a terrible shame, you know, for many different reasons, obviously. And I think we should all be glad that that voice is being heard now um, and that we're just I mean, quite frankly, like this isn't we're not changing anybody's lives here. We are saying that this is an insensitive name. Let's just change the name. Like it really shouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah. Well, the other thing I, uh, that I don't understand, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak from a more, uh, well, frankly, heartless and strictly business perspective. It's a really easy rebrand that can make you a lot of money. <laughs> right. I mean, teams, that's a good point. Teams rebrand voluntarily just to make a few extra like, bucks. I'm going to go buy a Cleveland guardians Jersey, even though I hate the name, but it's because I have major FOMO and don't want to miss out on getting that jersey. And right. like for no other reason than that. So like they could have been like, yeah, we wanted to change it. And people would, people would have gone like, oh, 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 oh. they're still going to show up and they're still going to buy it. And that's why I don't understand why like the Washington football team, um, Atlanta Braves, Kansas City Chiefs, um, Chicago Blackhawks, like they're all out there. I like. Yeah. And you got to think tough. the pressure is going to mount yeah. on them eventually, right? They're going to get, they're probably going to start getting picked off one by one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the, like one way to look at it would be, do you think that the Chicago Blackhawks will still be named that in a hundred years? No, absolutely. Definitively not. So when it's a matter of when, right? Is it going to be like next year? Or is pressure going to mount in 20 years, 50 years, however long is it going to take? I, I mean, you know, I like, I'm, 
I'm not trying to be super one-sided about this. I get the arguments on the other side. Um, but honestly, it's just like the, the arguments in favor just so heavily outweigh any argument against. Because again, it's a fucking name change. Like we're not talking about like changing anybody's lives. We're not talking about taxation or anything like that. We're talking about a professional sports team uh, is changing its name to fit in with a a shifting societal norm like that's not the end of the world you know well and another thing that comes down to it that i know i've definitely heard out there is just like oh you know it's been this way for so long or like oh like you're to your point people will say like oh it's just a name like what does it matter to which my my response is always going to be and i mean i'll reference you and i as the example as like as like upper or like middle class like white men we don't really have a lot of say in terms of like what is inappropriate, right? Because like we've never been really dissuaded because of our heritage or skin pigment or frankly gender or sexual orientation. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, or, if, or if moreover, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, like, if there's, if, if something, you know, I, I know this all this came up as well with the whole like in well over the past little while in the United States with the whole like Confederate statues and like all those that are coming down and like all of that type of stuff as well. But but it's like if if to the Native American uh, community, you know, the 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 name Cleveland Indians and like the Chief Wahoo logo and like all that type of stuff, the Washington Redskins, if that is deemed culturally insensitive like as like white guys we don't get to decide in my opinion right like we don't get to decide if that's insensitive or not we don't get to sit here and say like oh no that's just no that's fine it's just a sports team yeah. or at the very least at the very least i think you can say up until now w ours have been the only voices that have mattered sure and certainly it, that should absolutely not be the case. Sure. You know, we should either have none or a, a much smaller say than we currently do. Yeah, not that we should have no say. Exactly. Yeah, that's not what I'm trying to imply. But I mean, like you said, ours should not be the veto. You know, that right, it's basically right, just exactly. like, no, it's fine. Don't worry. You're just and overreacting. It's, and it's not the hill to die on, quite frankly. Like if sure. you're having a deeper discussion about how we talk about European colonial history and like whether we have a right to keep living here, like now that – now that my family's been here for this long, you know, how those are deeper discussions to have, right? We're talking about a name change and a logo, you know, we, we just talked about Chivas USA and L LAFC, you know, and like nobody batted an eye. And this is, they're going to keep the same colors. It's going to be almost the exact same pronunciation, same city, same stadium. Like nothing's going to change except that first syllable is going to be different. And like the and font it, and the name across the jersey is going to look almost identical because exactly. they literally kept the D-I-A-N-S at the end. Exactly. Like we, I, it just blows my mind that we freak out over this, but like somehow we're totally okay with a team just shifting cities. Like literally the team moves, abandons a city, changes its name and colors. We're like, that's fine. That's business. Oh, that's the business of uh, sport. Yeah. Yeah. But then like that same team is still loyal to its city and still stays there and makes a slight adjustment. It's just not the hill to die on, you know, and I, I get that people are attached to it. And I get that change. Like, I think people get anxious about change because it, it, you know, it brings up those other questions that I'm talking about when it comes to like, you know, colonial history and your right to be there. And like, maybe that's a different discussion that you feel differently or different 
differently about in a different way. Um, but that's not what this thing is. Like this thing is that a whole bunch of people are like, this is makes me uncomfortable to hear this name. And like some people are really offended by it. And this logo is like a racist caricature. And a complete and an entire demographic is insulted by it. Yeah, exactly. So like, exactly. let's just change it because it's literally exactly. an embroidered name on a jersey. Exactly. And like people go back you know, p- people go back to the history and they're like, well, they were named the Indians because there was a, a player of Native American heritage on the team who didn't mind the name at the time. And you're like, OK, that's one dude. One dude he doesn't get to decide like how the rest of the world forever views this team. Maybe it was appropriate at the time. We don't have to go back and like, you know, litigate what happened 100 years ago. What we have to do is look now at right now, whether we all feel it's appropriate right now. And we don't. And so we should just all accept that and get that it's not that big a deal. But alas. A lot of things were okay in 1915 that probably don't fly in 2021. Yeah, and that's okay. It's and that's okay, okay for society to evolve, and, and it will happen slowly and incrementally. And when it happens, we all just take a deep breath and don't get too upset about it. So Cleveland Guardians it is, and uh, I'm looking forward to actually when I get – you know, my annual um, season preview guides next year that it'll have uh, this this whole new brand in it, which is always exciting. Um, but Christian, I think uh, I think that we've uh, prattled on for for long enough. What do you say we uh, uh, take a break from this segment and uh, be right back to close it out? Sound good? Sounds good to me. Be right back. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian, that's Chris, and we couldn't go an entire episode without saying some dad jokes because we wouldn't be dads if we didn't tell terrible jokes at least once an episode. So that brings us to our recurring segment to close us out this week with Dad Joke of the Week. Chris, something really nice happened to me today. Somebody actually complimented my parking job. Yeah, they're really nice. They left me a sweet little note on there that said, parking fine. (laughs) That's a good one. It was so nice that they're going to give you money. Oh, wait, hold on. I've got that in reverse. Um, So I went really punny with my dad jokes. I'm pun heavy in this one. Hey, Christian, what do cows tell each other at bedtime? I don't know. Dairy tails. Ah, Dairy tails. I was trying to go with moo. I was trying to give something with moo. I I was working on it. Dairy tails. Nice. Hey, Chris, what has five toes and isn't your foot? <laughs> uh, what? What is it? My foot. Ah! I see what you did there. I was going to say my foot, and then I was like, no, 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 shit. What is it? Somebody else's foot? This is morbid. Uh, what did the ocean say to the beach? Mm, I'm not sure what. Nothing. It just waved. It just waved. Darn it. So I was talking to my friend the other day, and he says he glued himself to his autobiography. Wow. I mean, I don't believe him, but that's his story, and he's sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't mind that. I'll, I'll dig that. Um, Christian, stop me if you've heard this one before. I named my two dogs Rolex and Timex. Yeah, they're my watchdogs. Ah, watchdogs. Shoot, I was trying to get to the punchline first, but nice, watchdogs. You know, Chris, when I was growing up, my mom was always very supportive. You know, she, when I was growing up, she said, you know, Christian, you can be whoever you want to be. Turns out identity theft is a crime. 
<laughs> Those are my favorites. Those are my absolute favorites when it's just like something innocuous, terrible crime. Um, speaking of terrible crimes, this bad joke. What does a sprinter eat before a race? Well, I'm not sure. What did they eat? This. Might have seen this in the Olympics coverage. Nothing, because they fast. <laughs> Nothing, they fast. <laughs> um, after dinner tonight, my wife asked me if I could clear the table. I needed a running start, but I made it. <laughs> Took you a few attempts. All right, last one for me, Christian. What's the best thing about Switzerland? I'm not sure what. Yeah, I don't really know either, but their flag is a big plus. <laughs> well, that is all from us for this week. Thank you very much for joining us once again on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Um, we've had a great time chatting with you this week. Um, please hit us up. Uh, we would love to chat from you, engage in the conversation. You can reach out to us at dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com. We will happily reply and feature you on the show. Also, check us out at Loading Dad on Twitter, as well as Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram, or as I hear the kids calling it these days, Insta. Insta. So I'm getting hip with it. Thank you very much, and we are looking forward to seeing you next week. I'm Chris. He's Christian. Talk to you again later. See you next week. Bye.